0: It's a joy to be with you once again. Our Scripture reading is taken from Colossians 1, the verses 15 to 20. There's a reason why I picked that passage, because in our text of this afternoon, the glorified Christ, among other things, will introduce himself to the church of Laodicea as the beginning of God's creation. It's a a beautiful term, it's a loaded term. As we listen to Colossians 1, 15 to 20, just ask yourself, how big is your Jesus really? He's actually very big and we often talk about the Cosmic Christ. So here you have a description of the Cosmic Christ, who is at the same time the Lord of the church and the Lord of our lives. He that is the Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him, there's a little six there, you know, a little number. I'm going to take that with a footnote that it is uh, for in him, okay? For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. It's another reason why I picked in him, otherwise you'd have the same. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." So a very, very big Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. Our text is the the last church in the series of seven, chapters two and three, Church of Laodicea. I uh, preached this sermon this morning in Chilliwack, so you get to hear it this afternoon. And to the angel, and maybe you remember from the last time I take that to mean the messenger, to the messenger or angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." so there you have my thematic summary. I read in a book on preaching once that if someone wakes you up in the middle of the night, uh, you're the preacher, say two or three o'clock in the morning, and they ask you, what are you preaching on? You should be able to tell them in one sentence, so there you have it, one sentence. If we want to effectively bear witness to being the first installment or the beginning of God's new creation, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be of greater value than all other things. Well, if that is a thematic summary of the message, let me ask you at the outset How effectively are you bearing witness to being the beginning of God's new creation? For that is what the church is. Together with the Lord Jesus Christ, the church is the first installment of the resurrection life of God's new creation, breaking forth into this broken present, and the more that we live in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith and through the Holy Spirit, and the more the Lord Jesus Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit, the more effectively you as a local church will be able to bear witness to what you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your fundamental identity as church is that you are the beginning of God's new creation. Let's do a little test, a diagnostic test, to see how effectively you really may be. The question is, how do you value your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And again, by relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean you live in Him and He lives in you. Is that kind of life of more value to you than anything else? And in order to further determine that, ask yourself these kind of questions. How satisfied am I really with living in Christ and Christ living in me? Am I more satisfied with that than living in my economic well-being and my economic well-being living in me? Or am I more satisfied with living in Christ and Christ living in me than my physical well-being, living in that physical well-being and my physical well-being living in me? How I look, how fit I am, and so forth. How often may you and I have kept the Lord Jesus Christ waiting The Lord Jesus Christ who wants to fellowship with us, we kept him waiting because we were more preoccupied with living in our economic well-being, our physical well-being, or whatever well-being you may have. Now, our text of this afternoon clearly tells us, and there you have the message, it clearly tells us this that if we want to effectively bear witness to being the first installment of God's new creation, living in Christ and having Christ live in us has to be of more value than anything else. It's the letter of the glorified Lord Jesus Christ to the church of Laodicea. Now, in order to understand the language of our text, it may be helpful for you to know that just to the north of Laodicea, you had a city called Herapolis, which was known for its hot mineral hot springs. And just to the south of Laodicea, you had the city of Colossae. Paul also writes a letter the Colossians. And he even says that this letter to the Colossians should be read to the church in Laodicea, so you see the connection there. Just to the south of Laodicea you had Colossae, which had a rich supply of cold water, because it was located at the foot of a snow-capped mountain. While Laodicea did not have any water supply, of its own. It brought in the water from Hierapolis via an aqueduct, and that's how it had its water. So keep that in mind as we go through Jesus' letter to Laodicea. It may also be helpful for you to understand the language of Jesus' letter to know that there was an air of complacency in the city of Laodicea. The city had once been destroyed by an earthquake, and without the help of anybody else, really, especially the help of Rome, the citizens of Laodicea had rebuilt the city on their own. So, I guess we don't need anybody else. We can do this. In addition, the city was also known for its wealth. It was a leading banking center probably with gold and silver. It was a leading textile center which specialized in the making of clothing and carpets made of this fine, soft, black wool. And it was a leading medical center which specialized in the treatment of eye disease. So, all of these things echo, echo in the language that Jesus uses to address this church. He refers to himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. And we all know what Amen means, especially the children. When you say Amen, that means you can open your eyes You don't have to keep them closed anymore, right? Except that's not what amen means. According to the Heidelberg Catechism, the word amen means it is true and certain. My prayer is more certainly heard by God than I sense and feel this in my heart. So Jesus is saying, I'm the amen. I'm the reliable one. You can trust me just like you can trust that your prayer is heard by God. And he's the faithful and the true witness. He is the true revelation of God. As Jesus said in the Gospels, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So, Amen. I'm reliable. You can trust me. And as the faithful and true witness, What I say has authority. It's like God Himself, the Father, is speaking through me. And in addition to the Amen and the faithful and true witness, Jesus also addresses the church as the beginning of God's creation. Colossians 1. Jesus is the firstborn of God's creation not the first of his creatures, because then we're like the Jehovah's Witnesses, that Jesus is a, a creature. Then we're Arians. Now, firstborn here means preeminent. He is the Lord of all creation. In him and through him and to him all things have been created. And in order to let this sink in, in our souls. Just think of that. The next time you take a walk through creation, you look at the mountains, you look at a beautiful sunset when it's not raining like it is now all the time, you look at a beautiful lake, you look at the flowers and the trees, and then just say to yourself, all of this had its origin and source in Jesus, my Savior. And all of this was created through the means of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this was created for the Lord Jesus Christ. The fingerprints of the Lord Jesus Christ are all over creation. And they're all over us, over our bodies, our psyches, our emotional life as well. Think of that when you look at yourself in the mirror or you think of yourself as a creation of God. The only reason I exist is because I have my origin in Jesus, my Savior and Lord. And Jesus is the means of my existence. He sustains me. He holds me together and he is the goal of my existence. Jesus' DNA is all over our bodies, over our personal existence. And as a little aside, if you ever wondered why the goal of the Christian life is to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you take your starting point in the cosmic Christ, that everything is in Him, and through Him, and for Him, shouldn't surprise anybody that that is the goal of our sanctification, to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody who doesn't live in Christ, and have Christ live in him, or her, or doesn't want to do that, is fighting and battling his own genetic makeup, because we were made for Christ, in Him, through him and for him, and the same is true for the congregation, God's new creation. This congregation here, Pathway, has its origin in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ who he, who holds this local congregation together, and the goal and the destiny Of this local congregation is the Lord Jesus Christ, who will sum up this congregation, who will sum up all of renewed creation up under and in Himself. Think about that when you think about yourself as a local congregation. Jesus' fingerprints are all over you as a congregation. And Jesus is the beginning of God's new creation, the church, through his resurrection from the dead, especially. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ arose from the dead, his body, his church arose with him from the dead and is a new creation in him. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, He who is in Christ is a new creation. And so as the Amen, and as the faithful and true witness, as the beginning of God's creation, also His new creation, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to the church of Laodicea, as it is projected on the screen, if you want to faithfully, bear witness to being the beginning of God's new creation. You need to live in me. Yeah, because my fingerprints are all all over you. You need to live in me and have me live in you. But when you listen to the letter, that was a huge problem. This was lacking. And Jesus knows that, Jesus knows that because
1: one of the earlier
0: sermons I, I said the church is like a, like a lampstand, and there's seven lampstands that John saw in Revelation 1, and Jesus is, is walking among the lampstands, and you don't see that with your physical eyes. You need to have the Holy Spirit enlighten the eyes of your imagination so that with the eyes of your imagination, you see that the Lord Jesus Christ is actually walking among the churches. He's also walking in the midst of this church. Just like you have at BC Place, as I mentioned earlier, you have this retractable roof that retracts. And you see the sky. So, when the eyes of our imagination are enlightened by the Spirit, yeah, we don't see the sky. We actually see a spiritual reality, a transcendent reality that is permeating this material physical reality that Jesus is present in the church. In fact, Jesus is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Think about that. Jesus is closer to us than we are to ourselves, especially when we realize that he lives in our souls. He lives in us and we live in him. So Jesus knows what's going on. And their witness is not Neither is their witness cold. Talks about this witness as their works. But it is lukewarm. And remember what I told you about the water supply. You understand the language. Just like the water that would come from Herapolis via an aqueduct to Laodicea, and that water would be lukewarm, Jesus is saying, that's what your witness is like. That's what your works are like. They're lukewarm. They don't refresh like the cold waters of Colossae, nor do they heal like the waters of Herapolis. They're lukewarm. You're ineffective as a missional church. And then Jesus says, but I wish you were hot. And I wish you were cold. I wish that your witness had a healing property about it. And that your witness had a refreshing quality about it. It's like when you get together and you talk about the difference that living in Christ makes for you and Christ living in you. Or maybe I should say there are outsiders, unbelievers whom you encounter. They may even come to the worship service. And they may even ask this question, what difference does that really make for you? And then from personal experience, you say to these people, you know what? Living in Christ and having Christ living in us in the church and in me personally has a healing quality about it. It brings healing to the brokenness, not completely, but to the brokenness of life. Here, let me share a story and go over and talk to Susie or John over there. They have a real story to tell about the the healing that living in Christ brings to their lives, or the refreshing quality. You say to the person, living in Christ, and having Christ live in me, brings revitalization. It revigorates the soul and the life of the weary people, the tired people, and the burnt out people. Here, let me give you an example. Of how that happened. Jesus wishes that their witness was either hot like that or cold like that, but because it isn't, because it isn't, Jesus doesn't really have much use for this church. In fact, it's a very, very hard-hitting message. Jesus is basically saying, if this doesn't change, brothers and sisters, if there is no repentance in your life, on the day of judgment, I will spit you out of my mouth. Just like weary travelers in the vicinity of Laodicea who were thirsty would scoop up some of this lukewarm water and with a feeling of disgust would spit this water out into the ground. You know, and you scratch your head and you say, how in the world did things go downhill like that in the church of Laodicea? Why really are they the way they are? And Jesus says, you know what? The root cause is your complacency. You say you are rich, that you have prospered, And that you need nothing. Think again of that earthquake. They didn't need anybody's help to help them rebuild the city. Think of the wealth of the city again. A leading banking center, leading textile center in expensive black wool, a leading medical center. We've got it made, guys. We've got everything. We are materially self-sufficient. And if you're not careful, material self-sufficiency can rub off on your spiritual life so that also spiritually you begin to feel somewhat self-sufficient, that you don't really even need the living Lord Jesus Christ. You You don't really need to live in Him and have Him live in you, so that your faith life and your church life can prosper. And that was the case in Laodicea. And Jesus says, you may think that you don't need anything, but in actual fact, you need everything. You're a pretty wretched bunch. You're pitiable. You're poor. Naked, blind, very, very hard-hitting. You guys are spiritually bankrupt. And Jesus then says to them, he doesn't write them off. He says, you need to come to me. He counsels them. He says, come to me. Come to me because I am the beginning of your creation. I am the source of your new life. Come to me and buy gold. Think of the banking industry. Come to me and buy gold refined by fire. Accept my rebuke and allow my rebuke to refine you as fire refines gold. Buy from me white garments to cover the shame of your spiritual nakedness. Don't buy black garments made of that expensive black wool, because that's not going to do the trick. You have to buy my white garments of putting me on through faith and clothing yourself with me so that you live in me and I live in you. Only then will the shame of your spiritual nakedness be covered. And buy from me eye salve to heal your spiritual blindness so that you can discern how to be an effective witness of being the first installment of God's new creation. What that looks like in a secular society. And Jesus says, I, I say this. It's a hard-hitting, it's a very hard-hitting message. And Jesus says, I I don't say this to you because I, I don't like you or I hate you. I say this to you because I love you. Just because you don't meet my standard doesn't mean I reject you. This is the way we are too, I hope, in our fellowship. When a husband doesn't meet the standard of his wife, where the wife doesn't meet the standard of the husband, and children don't meet the standards of their parents, and people in the congregation don't meet your standard, yet you don't reject each other. You don't walk away from each other. You speak to each other in love, perhaps even admonishing one another in love because you want that to change. You want it to continue to have fellowship with these people. It's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. "I, I don't reject you. I say what I'm saying to you because I love you. And if you're going to make any change in your life, you're going to have to repent. And if you're going to repent, then you need to allow me to enter very deeply into your heart, the very core of your being. You can't continue to crowd me out of the center of your being, the center of your life, being more satisfied with living in your economic well-being more satisfied in living in your physical well-being, more satisfied in living in whatever well-being you may have. You need to allow me to enter into the very center, the core, the heart of your being. And that's why Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Where do you find the door? think is first of all saying, I stand at the door of the church, because the works of the church corporately are lukewarm. Stand at the door of the church. And I stand at the door of the heart of each individual member of the church. You're going to have to let me in if any change is going to be forthcoming, and whoever by the grace of God allows me to enter into the very garden, the center of his life, I will have a meal with that person. I will eat with him, and he will eat with me. She will eat with me. We will enjoy lasting fellowship together lasting fellowship that enables you to effectively bear witness to what you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus even adds a promise as a bonus. Every one of the seven letters has a promise. Jesus says, you know what? If you conquer, every one of the seven letters he says, he who conquers It's so important to hang in there. The conqueror is the one who perseveres. He who perseveres in the Spirit through faith in effectively bearing witness to what they are in the Lord Jesus Christ, the beginning of God's new creation, that person and that congregation will sit with me on my throne and rule together with me. And the rest of Revelation, will unpack that a little bit more, what that means with ruling together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like all the other letters, Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Really let this sink in. And I come back to the beginning of my sermon. Where? Where do you as a congregation? Where do you as a member of Pathway need to let this sink in? And do what the Lord Jesus Christ commands you to do. Because the story doesn't, doesn't end with the text on your website, you have finding your place in God's story. And I'm going to assume for a minute that finding your place in God's story includes taking your place in God's story. The story doesn't end with the text. You can't just go home and, and say, well, Pastor Mose had an interesting sermon, or he didn't have quite an interesting sermon, and You know, you kind of close that, and you go on and you do your thing. That's not why I preach. That's not why Pastor Grotenheis preaches. The story continues in our lives, or as people say, the drama continues in the life of the church, as the church enacts, as the church performs, as the church takes its place in the story of God, also in the letter of the ascended Christ to the church of Laodicea. You continue that story with your response to the message. How are you going to do that? Well, it depends on how you value your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, living in Him and having Him live in you is that of more importance than anything else, than your economic well-being, physical well-being, whatever. How often may you and I have kept the Lord Jesus Christ waiting at the door? He wants to fellowship with us, live in us, and have us live in him. But we kept him at the door because I was too preoccupied with my other well-beings. They were more important. I didn't sense a need to live in Christ and have Christ live in me. The Lord Jesus Christ is knocking at the door of this congregation. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Also with these probing, diagnostic questions of mine. He wants you to open by the grace of God and let him in. But the Lord Jesus Christ is also knocking at the door of your heart in this way. He's saying to you, he wants to come in, he's saying to you, my relationship with my father was always of more value than anything else. Me as the son living in the father and the father living in me as his son. I rejoiced in that, that gave me the greatest satisfaction in life, and because I did, I effectively bore witness to being the first installment of God's new creation, breaking forth into this broken present. I did it for you. I did it for my body. I did it for my church. In your place as your substitute and for you as your representative. And he says, come, let me in so that I can do in you what I have done in your place and for you and generate my own effective witness in you through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray and give thanks. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us this afternoon and reminding us that if we want to effectively bear witness to being the first installment of your new creation, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be of greater value than all other things. We humbly confess that often other things are more important than our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have often turned Him away because we felt no need for His fellowship at that moment. Graciously cleanse us with the blood of Christ, and grant us your forgiving grace in Him. Graciously free us from those things that tend to crowd out fellowship with the Lord Jesus by granting us your liberating grace. Truly, if the Lord Jesus Christ sets us free, we are free indeed. And graciously heal us by living in the center of our lives and being the source of our renewal so that we can indeed effectively bear witness to being what we are in the Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray for this world that is confused, lost, and has no real hope. This world that desperately tries to make life work on its own terms and with its own means. Use the missional life of this congregation as it effectively bears witness to being the first installment of your new creation to give hope to this world. Hope that you have made all things new in the Lord Jesus Christ and that as we live in him and have him live in us through faith and the Holy Spirit, that today already we begin to experience the healing and refreshing renewal of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.